Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good afternoon, listeners. This is the DOGS program. The Defence of Government Schools are here every week at 12 noon, come hell or high water, uh, and all the other things that happen to us, because there's plenty of those things, I assure you, this week anyway, and we are here. Uh, We are here to defend and to promote public education. Now, we've got quite a lot of things on for you today. It's been... Budget week. So we've got a press release on the budget and we've got Karina Haythorpe from the AEU later in the program to give her the teacher's uh, take on the budget and we've got Robert to talk to you also. So here is our press release 748. Public school supporters cannot support the coalition budget. Dogs notes that Australian citizens and taxpayers are being asked to digest figures in billions of dollars and decade-long projections. Now, I always thought that a lot can happen in a week in Australian politics. Do our politicians expect us to believe that things remain economically, socially and politically stable for 10 years? God only knows. So it's not surprising that the only new funding for schools in the SCOMO budget is $247 million over four years to extend the controversial National Schools Chaplaincy Program. So I hope the chaplaincies, the chaplains, if they've got a, um, uh, the telegram to God that they'll be able to tell us what's going to happen in the next 10 years but I doubt it. God only knows. This will allegedly, we are told, this chaplaincy program is going to have a new anti-bullying focus. The mind boggles, given religious opposition to the Safe Schools program. The chaplaincy program, twice knocked down by the High Court on administrative, not religious liberty grounds, was resurrected by the Coalition through Section 96 grants to the states. It was first introduced under the former Howard Coalition. Remember? It was subsequently dumped by Labor, 
when they got into power, and it's strongly supported by conservative backbenchers. So what minority in this country is imposing their will on our inclusive and open public school system? Because the public school system should be open to all and offensive to none, and yet we have this very strange chaplaincy religious program imposed on our schools. Well, the Australian Education Union reacted as follows. The 2018-2019 federal budget has failed to deliver fair funding for public schools, with the Turnbull government yet again prioritising big business over our children and their future. Australian Education Union Federal Presidents Karina Haythorpe and Malcolm Turnbull says that Malcolm Turnbull has blatantly ignored the needs and wants of the public by delivering a budget which benefits big business instead of delivering fairer funding for public schools. Malcolm Turnbull has abandoned students in public schools who need additional support in the classroom, she said. This is an out-of-touch budget by an out-of-touch government and we know the public reject tax cuts for big business and want money invested into the public schools instead. A government that can find $65 billion for corporate tax cuts, well, you can put that together with $140 billion, over 10 years, of course, for our income tax cuts for the wealthy if you really look at it, can surely find the funding required to ensure that every child gets a high quality education. This is a government that cares more about big corporations than it does about the next generation. We do not support, she said, the additional 250 million funding for school chaplains over the next four years. These funds are desperately needed in our schools to provide professional school counselling services, ongoing professional development for principals and teachers and student wellbeing programs. The latest Guardian Essential poll has revealed that 88% of Australians want the federal government to either increase education spending or keep spending the same. Yet Turnbull has ignored this and shown his priorities are not with the majority of our children. It was symbolic, we believe, that education funding was a mere chaplaincy afterthought in the 2018 SCOMO budget because most of the big news about funding happened in last year's budget when the federal government, using 10-year projections to maximise the amounts, formalised details associated with its quality schools reform package as follows. They said, and I'm quoting from the budget papers of last year, over the next 10 years, that's 2018 to 227, and relative to the 2016-17 federal budget settings, the government will invest an additional $24.5 billion in recurrent funding for Australian schools. But before you get excited about that, remember that's $24.5 billion over 10 years. So divide that by 10, and what have you got? $2.45 billion every year. And it, and it actually brings the total 
Commonwealth Recurrent Investment to $243.5 billion for the same period. But before we get excited about that, the recurrent funding for government schools is only going to grow by 56.6% with total funding of only $102.1 billion from 2018 to 2017 because the non-government schools funding will grow also by 55.6%, but it's going to be a lot more than that for the um, public school sector. It's going to be $141.4 billion over 10 years. But this actually centres on a commitment to align school funding with the schooling resource standard which was recommended in 2011. But to achieve this, the government plans to progressively raise the funding levels for government schools from 17 to 20% and for private schools from 76.8 to 80% by 2027. So a child in a government school is only worth 20% uh, out of a hundred and a child in a private school's worth 80% to the Commonwealth Government to Mr Turnbull. So if you've got a child in a private school, there you are. Mr Turnbull likes you four times more than a child in a public school. That's called, in my book, discrimination. The government argues that this delivers an additional 24.5 billion. That's over 10 years. Remember, that's 2.45 per year if you divide it by 10 over the decade. And it says, but it then says it's up to the states. So we're uh, into the blame game immediately as to whether they wish to fund the remaining amounts so that all schools reach the full uh, resource standard. And to be fair to the Andrews government, they have been putting more money into public schools uh, in Victoria. And believe it or not, I've got some good news here. North Melbourne Hill is going to have a proposed school. So we might be getting two new primary schools at least in uh, that area. But that only puts us back to where we were in 1990 because Mr Kennett closed our schools. But that's what we'll talk about later. Uh, the government also claims that its reform package for schools provides more consistent needs-based funding when compared to the so-called special deals which were established under the Labor-Gillard government. Well, that's a question, but there is no question that the Catholic Education Office certainly had a lot of special deals with the Labor Party, and it still does. But the Labor Party is in their battling, uh, suggesting that the coalition is shortchanging the nation to the tune of $17 billion. Uh, initially, they said that they were shortchanging them $22 billion when compared to promises made by the former Gillard Labor government. But, of course, Labor aren't necessarily anything to write home about anyway. Well, there's also the Gonski Wars. You can call it the Gonski Wars. 
And aside from them, the year's, uh, this budget contains very, a few additional highlights. Other notables include there's going to be $440 million to extend the National Partnership Agreement on Universal Access to Early Childhood Education for a further year. Suddenly we're, we've left that decade behind and the billions and we're talking about childhood education which is so important and there isn't a 10 year plan for that, there's a 1 year plan for that, there's no permanent ongoing funding of childhood education and we all know that what happens before a child reaches school is very important indeed if they are going to be successful in learning to read and write. There's also going to be 154 million to promote active and healthy living. And it includes an 83 million to improve the existing community sports facilities and to expand the sporting schools and local sporting champions programs. Well, that appears to be for only a year too. But why can't we have a sports teacher in every school? Uh, you know, what's going on here? There's also 11.8 million over three years to expand the Early Learning Languages Australia program to more preschools and trial the program in 2019 and 20 from the first year of school through to the year two in the primary schools. Well, that's not very much for all those children who, with English not as their first language. There's also six million over two years from 2017 to 18 to continue and update the communications campaign to increase public awareness of changes to the quality schools package. That's really public relations to sell the government's reform package, so-called. It could be a deform package, not a reform package. They also have given 1.3 million per year until 2020-21. Suddenly we're not dealing with this 10-year thing, are we? We're dealing with just a few couple of years. And that's going to fund the Money Smart Teaching Program designed to improve financial literacy education in schools. There's also 134.3 million over four years to the Northern Territory as part of the children and schooling component of the National Partnership Agreement on Northern Territory Remote Aboriginal Investment. Glory be, they've actually noticed that the Aboriginal children have got a problem in remote areas. Uh, it's going to invite proposals in 2018 from the providers to deliver alternative pathways into teaching. So uh, that's some of the information that we've gleaned in the education area of the budget for your information and that will be put up onto our website at www.adogs.com.
first segment is for the teachers. Uh, we're, we're doing quite a bit for teachers this week, aren't we? Because they will be very interested in what's going to be coming out of the budget. But um, there's also the NAPLAN problem, testing, 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 evaluating teachers. And then, of course, Gonski tells us that we have to be nice to teachers. Well, perhaps we should start listening to teachers. And here we are. The school principals are not necessarily not endorsing NAPLAN, but they think we should tweak it. And this is on Monday the 7th of May in the Australian Financial Review. The school principals say that NAPLAN can be reformed and still be a useful test of school students' performance. Uh, and the COAG people, of course, uh, that is the, the state's education ministers, uh, are reviewing uh, NAPLAN and the way the data itself is reported. As uh, we've often in, informed you, the uh, NAPLAN data is being used uh, by the uh, advertising people to sell schools, isn't it? Uh, some of the... Uh, PISA results and other results, uh, the NAPLAN results, can be useful, but that's about what they are. We don't teach NAPLAN. We teach a lot of subjects, including skills like entrepreneurism, we're told, collaborative thinking and so on. And we should test what we teach and what the employers want, and we don't mind what it is as long as we're using a valid assessment tool. Well, some of us, of course, might be a little bit more concerned about what is actually being taught in the schools, like critical thinking, rather than persuasive thinking. But uh, the New South Wales Education Minister, Rob Stokes, says that states should ditch the test because it was expensive to run and the results were being used dishonestly as a school rating system. Uh, Mr Pressland said that the problem with NAPLAN was it had shifted away from being a diagnostic tool for teachers to a comparison of schools for parents. And when results came in at his school in Western Sydney... Uh, teachers look for the improvers and the decliners and how they compared with the rest of the state. NAPLAN gave them material to work with to ad adjust to core structure. So for teachers who know how to use it, any kind of testing tool is useful. The Executive Director of Schools in the Catholic Diocese of Parramatta in Western Sydney, a man called Greg Whitby, said making laptops Matland take a sample of students instead of all of them would be diff a different way to depoliticise it. So uh, that's a question too, isn't it? The teachers themselves, of course, and a lot of parents are not interested in having their children tested and tested and tested if it's testing for testing's sake. And there's a lot of money uh, for entrepreneurs in this testing. There's a Pearson group, which is big, big business. And I thought that people might be interested in what I found on Diana Ravitch's blog. In New York, there's a teacher evaluation mess because it's not only the children that people are interested in testing, 
it's evaluating teachers as well. And recently, the candidate uh, in New York, Cynthia Nixon, issued a press release calling for the repeal of the state teacher evaluation system, which links the teacher evaluation to state test scores of their students. This is called payment by results, and they had it in the 19th century, and it was terrible. It was really quite terrible for education and for the practice in the schools of New South Wales and Victoria. So they got rid of it. But here it is back again. Payment by results. Almost immediately, the State Assembly, that's in actually the Democrats' control, announced that it was writing a bill to revise test-based teacher evaluation. And the Assembly Bill passed overwhelmingly, but it was a sham. Instead of repealing the test-based teaching evaluation, it said that districts could use the test of their own choosing to evaluate teachers, so long as the test was approved by the State Commissioner. So this is in New York State. That does not repeal test-based evaluation, and critics warned that there might be double testing of teachers, once for the the state tests and another time for local tests, because the local uh, groups in councils or authorities in America are the ones that fund the schools, the public schools. Well, the bill has moved to the state senate, And the Republican leader, John Flanagan, has said he'll slow down movement on the bill because no one wants double testing. But in one instance where the state's teacher evaluation system was brought to a court by the lawyer Bruce Lederman on behalf of his superstar wife, a lady called Cherie, a fourth grade teacher on Long Island, Cherie is, the judge said that the system was arbitrary and capricious and she, and he, and he threw out her rating because she was being rated uh, on the results of her, of her students. So in New York State, there's a lot of problems about evaluating teachers on the basis of testing their students. And of course, that is what a lot of people will start to do if you think about it. They're now evaluating the schools on the basis of NAPLAN. What happens when they start to evaluate and have payment by results for our teachers? It is a very, very big step backwards in educational thinking, believe you me. Want to defend government schools? We are the DOG, D-O-G-S, Defenders of Government Schools. Every week on the DOG program we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. If you're a parent or if you're a kid or if you're involved in the school in any way whatsoever and you love your state school, give 3CR a call. We want to hear about these schools that we're defending. Brunswick Secondary State schools are great. Harkaway Primary School. Sunshine North Primary School. They're really concerned about the welfare of the kids and their growth as people as well as learning. Like you put on plays, you've got enrichment, you've got physical education, visual arts, languages, all that. In fact, is there a cooking? Actually an embracing of kids from disadvantaged backgrounds and with additional needs. More than half of your kids are from some of the poorest families in Australia. Yeah, definitely. That's the community and that's who we're servicing and that's who who we welcome into the school. Outdoor play is linked to healthier and happier children. 
This, in turn, leads to better grades. In the when weekly assemblies and stuff, they have a little thing, uh, you've been caught being good, and they have a, a value of the week each week, and so it's not just words, it is actually... So, so what do the teachers do when it's a building site? Yeah, they kick themselves out of their own staff room and turn it into a classroom. Just a really nice culture and an emphasis on social skill building as well as learning. Quite a range of intellectual ability and kids with mental health diagnoses. Refugee kids, kids who have not been in the country very long, don't necessarily start off with a Positive great Positive relationships with each other, with teachers and with the community. And they run a, a breakfast club. There's a recognition that some kids don't get breakfast and so there's, there's food on... If you are involved in a state school, and it's a great school, we'd love to hear from you so we can talk about it and tell the world. Leave a message for the dogs at 3CR on 94198377. State schools are great schools. Great state schools. Well, Gonski talks about equality... And Gonski talks about resource standards and trying somehow to treat children equally. This is a goal which we wish, of course, was real in Australia, but it's not. We're not even fair. But there has always been a halfway house. Ever since the 16th century, there was the idea of the deserving poor or the clever poor being able to make their way up. And in the 19th century, we had the idea of a meritocracy. We have this with the grammar schools in England and we have it in Australia with the selective high schools. And uh, they've come up with a new idea because there are those parents, you know, who don't understand that every child is gifted but believe that their child is particularly gifted because, after all, they themselves have this thing called a high IQ. But it is true that there are children who are better at schoolwork than other children uh, and they are called high-achieving Now, the high-achieving Victorian state school students will soon study university subjects and VCE extension programs at a new state high school in Melbourne. It's going to cost $27.5 million in South Yalla. And it's next door on a site next to Melbourne High School. There you are, the old boys of Melbourne High School have coughed up some money there. They're almost as generous, perhaps, as the ones at Scott's down the river. The high-achieving students of Brighton Secondary College, Rihanna Ishak and Darcy Darcy Visenju, support the initiative. So the children who are particularly clever in our state high schools are going to be able to go to this place. Now, that doesn't mean that they're going to leave their current secondary colleges. Now, it doesn't mean that, and that's what makes this interesting. Also, it's a co-ed academy because the current selective high schools in Melbourne are single-sex schools, aren't they? 
So it's going to be co-ed and it will remain enrolled and, and the students will remain enrolled at their existing schools but will visit the state-of-the-art facility for extra courses that can count as credits towards a degree at university. State Education Minister James Merlino said the initiative would ensure that the brightest students in our state schools would be extended because we want every person, he said, to have the opportunity to get a great education and reach their full potential and this will ensure our best and our brightest will be able to excel. Well, wouldn't it be lovely if we thought this about every single child in our in all of our schools throughout Australia. And these kind of special deals were available for every single child. But I'm afraid that, uh, well, there are special deals available. Uh, if you go to the Smith family or some other charities and you give money, you can actually help a little girl or a little boy in a state school uh, whose parents just don't have any money. I know this because I've got a little girl who writes lovely letters to me called Crystal, and she's doing very well indeed. She is a gifted student, as all of her, the students in her class, I'm sure, are. But it's terrible that it has to be charity which is um, given to these children. Not good enough. Every child is worth the very best, not just the brightest and the best. They're all the best. So that's enough from me. Over to Rob. Well, hello, uh, Rob. <laughs> what have you going? got for us today? Oh, I'm raving reporter for the dogs today. Um, yeah, no, we, yeah, of course, depending at government schools, but... Um, um, as we were doing Gonski last week, I thought we'd get back to the nitty-gritty of what's going on in Victoria. Because um, the, the more I read Gonski, and I've been doing a fair bit of it, the more I realise it's a novel. Um, you know, yes, it, sh- it should go in the fiction section, not not the non-fiction section. It's deeply aspirational, and the likelihood of any of it happening um, in the current political landscape is actually quite low. And I'll tell you for why, Jane. Okay. Um, because something really interesting has happened. Um, we have two people we often talk about on, on, on the Dogs Program. One is called Michelle Green, and she's the head of the independent school sector's sort of organising lobbying body here in Victoria. And the other one is Stephen Elder. Um, Stephen Elder is the head of Catholic Education Office here in Victoria. And um, Michelle Green... Um, is trying to be one of those wonderful good students who sit up the front of the class because she's decided to dob in nasty Stephen Elder to his boss. Now, who do you reckon the boss of Stephen Elder is, Jane? Stephen Elder, who's the, the executive director of the Catholic Education Office. He's responsible for billions of taxpayers' money, but who's his boss? Archbishop. Yeah, it's the Archbishop Dennis Hart. So if you're going to dob in Stephen Elder, you don't go to the taxation department, you don't go to the government, you go to his actual boss, which is the Archbishop. Um, and so what's happened is Michelle Green has written a letter to Archbishop Dennis Hart. And in this letter, it's absolutely fascinating. She 
she has raised concerns with the Archbishop that the Catholic sector's unseemly campaign against the school funding changes um, and is and asking the Archbishop to tell Stephen Elder to stop denigrating schools in the independent sector and to stop denigrating state schools. And this is what she wrote. She wrote a note to the teacher. She wrote a note to the Archbishop Dennis Hart, and she said, After considerable thought, I am writing to you to express my profound disappointment at the public commentary about independent schools by the Executive Director of the Catholic Education Commission of Victoria, Mr Stephen Elder. She wrote in the letter. She then went on to say... In campaigning against the Australian government's school funding reforms, he has, unfortunately, repeatedly impugned the integrity of independent schools and those who work in them, he says. Ms Green said Mr Elder had accused independent schools of making fraudulent claims for students with disability and being privy to special deals with the government and misusing capital works funding that they get from the government. So the one thing that Mr. Stephen Elder actually said, which, which he said that independent schools do make fraudulent claims for students, they are privy to special deals, and they do misuse money from the government for capital work. Everything he said was correct. But Ms. Green said, he can't say that, Mr. Archbishop Dennis Hart. You've got to stop him because she says there is no substance to those allegations. Or perhaps he's no, just as bad. <laughs> That's right. And she goes on to say, and this, and, and this is where she's being really, really good at two shoes. She says, it is a matter of great regret. Because remember, she's already profoundly disappointed. She says, it's a matter of great regret that the common interests that we share with the Catholic education system have been called into question by Mr. Elder's vitriolic commentary. So, what did Mr. Elder say? <laughs> because he's been called up before his boss, and his boss, of course, is the Archbishop Dennis Hart. Um, um, it's absolutely fascinating. His response is, Education Minister Simon Birmingham is letting wealthy independent schools, the biggest backers of his funding policies, gain the system. That's what he said. <laughs> but Mr Elder hit back. He says, no, 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 no. I'm Mr Stephen Elder, and I'm in the right... And, and this horrible one's being mean to me, he says. And he said he makes no apology for doing his job in the face of the Turnbull government's unprecedented attack on the Catholic education system, he says. He went, goes on to say that the Catholic schools expected him to be a robust advocate for their interests, and he was proud of, of, of finding out all these terrible things about the independent schools because he has a research unit in his office. Ah, my taxes at work. Of his Catholic school sector's government-paid funding research group. He went out and found out all these terrible things about the independent schools. My taxes at work. He went on to say, Senator Birmingham has responded with bureaucratic boilerplate while the independent school sector has only offered rhetoric in response. They have been unable to rebut our wonderful Catholic research or produce anything substantial to contradict our conclusions. 
So he's gone and done research to say how wonderful or how wonderfully good his sector is and also to find out how wonderfully horrible the independent sector is. Now, bear in mind, please, Jane and Dale and dear listeners, bear in mind that neither of these people, neither Stephen Elder nor, indeed, Michelle Green, have mentioned state schools once. Neither Michelle Green nor, nor, nor Stephen Elder are having a fight. They're actually having a fight about 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 the icing. Having They're not a... having a fight about the cake itself. Correct. They're just having a fight about all the money that they get. They do not give a damn about the kids in state schools. So the next time an advocate for the private school system sits there and talks to you about private school systems are good for all Australians, I can tell you now, that is the stuff that comes out of the rear end of the bull. Um, I don't care what colour it is. It comes from the rear end of the bull. They're going on about what they want and they're fighting each other to get the cream. They're fighting each other over how much icing they get on their cake. The cake itself, because as we know, more than 60% of the people in Australia are educated in the state system. They do not give a damn. Well, it's 20% for uh, 66% and uh, yeah. uh, 80% for the rest, 24%. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And Michelle Green comes up and says, she says she welcomes the prospect of a sector-blind funding model. Of course she does. No such thing as sector-blind. And so while everyone's wandering on about how wonderful Gonski is 2.0 or 2.1 or 2.3, it's still a work of fiction. Because none of it actually gets sorted out until these two people start finish finish their squabbles. They've got to finish their squabbles before before any of this goes goes ahead, which I think in itself is disgusting. Because as a taxpayer, I don't give a damn what Archbishop Dennis Hart thinks. I should not have to care what Archbishop Dennis Hart thinks before a child in a state school gets his dollars or her dollars. Well, All I'm the great festivals that we have around Victoria working and doing this wonderful stuff all have to wait till Archbishop Dennis Hart replies to Miss Green about Norton Stephen Elder and his wonderful research, which has paid for us in the first place. That's why we have to fight. That's why we have to be the dogs. That's why we are the defenders of government schools. We're not these voices. We're the voices that says, Oi, we don't give a damn about your fight up the back of the class. You can dob each other until the cows come home. The answer is you're both right, because both of you have done the wrong thing. It's one of those things when you're a teacher and you see some mucking around stupid corruption at the back of the class, and you go, you guys stop it. And everyone points to the other person and says, wasn't me, it was him. It is about on that level. Wasn't me, it was him. Wasn't me, it was her. Oh, she's a dibber-dobber anyway. I never listened to her, Michelle Green, said Stephen Elder. Michelle Green says, yeah, but he says mean things all the time and it's not even true. And even if it was true, he shouldn't say it because we're supposed to be friends. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, if we got a good kids state in the great school. state schools have to wait till this whole thing gets finished before they get on with the business of schooling in the first place. It's like the rest of the class going, oh, you guys shut up. We just want to learn. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. 
Correct. It's a state school I've been researching this last week. So great. It's going to take two weeks for me to research because it's just double up in greatness. So, I mean, that's me making an excuse because um, I've been a little bit distracted this last week because this whole fight between the Catholic education and the independent school system has got me so interested and annoyed. Um, so we don't have a great state school, but I do promise you I have one right on the back burner which we'll be talking about next week. So I apologise to our listeners. I'm, I'm, I haven't done my homework quite properly. But next week, do not fear, we will have a great state school for the dogs program. Come and see Bart Willoughby's album, Resonance, live on June the 2nd at Fitzroy Town Hall. Doors open at 7pm and show starts at 7.30. Featuring all tracks from Bart Willoughby's latest album, Resonance, a combination of reggae, jazz, opera and Middle Eastern music in celebration of Reconciliation Week. Saturday, June the 2nd. Tickets available through tickyboo.com.au. Check out our Facebook page or website for further details. A 3CR support. The Indigenous Social Justice Association Melbourne is continuing its Stop Failing Our Kids campaign until this year's Victorian state election. We're asking people to sign an online petition and to send postcards to Premier Daniel Andrews, calling for his government to abandon plans to build a $288 million youth prison at Cherry Creek. We want that money directed to culturally appropriate programs to address the underpinning issues rather than incarcerating children. For more information and to sign the petition, visit Istra Melbourne's Facebook page. Postcards are available at 3CR and locations listed at istramelbourne.com. Premier, it's time your government stopped failing the kids. Istra Melbourne is a 3CR supporter. Well, now we're going to go and have an interview with Karina Haythorpe, who is the president of the Australian Education Union. Well, thank you, Karina, for coming on the Dogs Program this week. Um, the budget came You're very down. Welcome. <laughs> We're just well. Personally, I'm just wondering how how you take in ten years uh, rather than even one or two years. And uh, well, you might like to talk to our listeners about how the teachers in the public school system feel about this budget. Well, I think overwhelmingly this budget has been very, very disappointing for public education. Uh, it clearly shows that Malcolm Turnbull's priorities are with big business and not with uh, our children and their futures. We had a number of key asks for the budget in terms of schooling. We wanted to see restoration of the $1.9 billion of funds cut from 2018 and 19 by the Turnbull government. We wanted to see the establishment of a capital works fund in the same way uh, that the private sector uh, has a fund given to them by the federal government. We wanted to see the disability loading uh, restored so that those children who need extra help can actually receive the resources in their schools to provide that help. And we wanted to see every single school operating at the National Schooling Resource Standard uh, and that's not going to be achieved by this budget. No way, no way. Uh, and uh, that means that you'll be very interested in what Mr Shorten's going to say. 
What we are very interested in what Mr. Shorten has to say. We've already seen a, a, a wonderful commitment of $17 billion in terms of restoring the funding uh, to our schools that have been cut by the Turnbull government. Uh, so we are looking forward to uh, his budget and reply speech. Right. And what about uh, the Greens? Do you think that they've got anything to offer the public school voter? Well, we have had a a long uh, positive relationship um, with the Greens. We we, uh, we have had lots of discussions about the importance of uh, funding our schools properly. Um, I'll be interested to see what their take uh, is on this in terms of uh, the budget. I've not had a a conversation with um, Senator Dean Natale post-budget but I would certainly hope that they would continue their advocacy for public schools uh, and for having our schools properly funded. Yes, yes, well, we're hoping that too, of course. And uh, what did you think about the chaplaincy program? The one, the one bit reject. of new money. <laughs> yes, we reject the chaplaincy program. Um, we do not support this program. We believe that... These funds should be used in our schools to employ fully qualified school counsellors to provide mm-hmm. ongoing professional learning for our teachers and also uh, to provide student wellbeing programs. So, no, we do not support um, the chaplaincy program at all. I have a memory of before you could be a guidance officer, particularly in New South Wales schools, you had to have taught for six years and to have done a psychology degree and have a few other things up your up your sleeve as well. A, a counsellor had to be perhaps the most highly qualified person in the school. And, uh, yes, what, what are we now left with? Uh, I think it's a bit of a worry. Yeah, look, I think that... I think that's a really good point and the reality is is that dealing with student wellbeing is actually a very complex issue and we need to have fully qualified and trained people and we don't believe that it's appropriate for uh, chaplains and for religion uh, to be in our schools in a way that um, uh, perhaps does not actually deal with the student wellbeing but is more about actually attracting students into particular religions. Yes, well, of course, the dogs are great believers in separating uh, religion from the state and it's our taxpayers' money that's going towards this. And what, uh, tell me, what did you think about the uh, the uh, little bit of money that's coming through to uh, preschool education? Well, this was not new money. Uh, we've been at, uh, campaigning to get ongoing, secure, permanent funding for the preschool sector now, Simon Birmingham came out earlier this year and he once again committed to the universal access of 15 hours, but only year by year. So we've got funding until the end of 2019. It means that the preschool sector can't actually effectively plan. They can't put in uh, additional staff on a permanent basis and certainly it makes it very difficult for, pro- to, for programming in terms of catering for student needs when they don't have any funding certainty beyond next year. That's pretty bad, isn't it? (laughs) And yet this is so important, it's generally agreed that uh, the education of a child starts before they come to school and some children are behind the eight ball. Yes, I think all round this has been a shocking budget for public education 
uh, it shows that Malcolm Turnbull's priorities are not with the children in Australia. I mean, he's talking about the importance of investing in infrastructure building and in the economy, yet uh, completely ignoring the foundations that need to be in place in terms of educating our children in public schools, in preschools and in TAFE because there's also been a $270 million cut uh, in terms of that funding over the next three years as well. So it's a very short-sighted and very disappointed budget. Very sorry. Sorry to hear this, but, uh, well, we don't have to vote for them in the next election. They thought that this was going to get us all voting for them, but uh, perhaps the state school vote is going to count in the next election. What do you well, think? From our poll, yes, from our polling, we know that um, funding for education is one of the top three issues, and we believe that we will have parents right across Australia standing alongside us. We have launched a new campaign called Fair Funding Now, yeah. and if people want more information about that, they can Google it and they'll, they'll be taken to our website, which clearly articulates the importance of having funding uh, for our schools and also sets the challenges for the future in terms of um, governments actually backing our kids and backing their futures. So we believe this is going to be one of the top issues that's taken forward as part of the election. So the Fair Funding Now campaign, uh, they go to the webs. Which website would they go to there? Fairfundingnow.org.au and mm. they can join up as a supporter and then they'll, uh, people will be uh, sent information about some of the campaign actions that we'll be taking over the next few months in the lead-up to the federal election. Well, that sounds great. Yes, and we'll also be very active in 18 marginal seats around the country, mm. uh, marginal coalition seats, mm. um, talking about the importance of school funding. Wonderful. Is there anything you'd like to leave our, our listeners with? Look, go? I think thank you. Thank, thank you to everyone for their support. We know that our schools and preschools and TAFE have the backing of parents and community around the country and every time we put the call out to stand up with us, people do so and we're very, very appreciative of that because this is actually about our kids. Many thanks, Karina. And, You're uh, very welcome. Yeah. Thank you. For the November 2018 state elections, Victorian socialists and left-wingers are coming together to get a socialist elected to the upper house of the northern metropolitan region. Leading the ticket is long-time Yarra councillor Stephen Jolly, followed by Moreland councillor Sue Bolden from the Socialist Alliance and Colleen Bolger from the Socialist Attorney. Victorian socialists will officially be launching our campaign on Saturday the 12th of May from 7pm at the Grace Darling Hotel at 114 Smith Street in Collingwood. Come along to find out more about our campaign and how you can get involved. It will be an opportunity to hear from the candidates and local community residents on the importance of getting a socialist into Parliament and presenting a political alternative from the major capitalist parties. A 3CR supporter.
Well, that's it for this week, and thank you for allowing us to come into your kitchens and your dining rooms or your car or wherever you are listening to us. And if you want to find out more about us and also about what we've talked about today, you can go to our website at www.adogs.info. funny Rod Quantock will be at Steps Gallery in Carlton to open a fundraising art show at 3pm on Saturday, May 19th. Works by Arthur Boyd, Lunig, First Dog on the Moon and many, many more will be on sale. There'll be political cartoons from the present and posters from the past, as well as artworks of beauty, joy and wit. All proceeds will support ICANN, the international campaign to abolish nuclear weapons, and winner of last year's Nobel Peace Prize and ICANN's parent organisation, MAPWA. 
health professionals promoting peace. All welcome. ICANN and MAPWA are 3CR supporters. Want to support 3CR's diverse and independent voices? Donate now by calling 9419 8377 or donate online at www.3cr.org.au or post as a cheque or money order to Post Office Box 1277 Collingwood 3066. 